there's actually a really good case study yeah. in the sister world of e-commerce. Tell us. Where once were these two small companies called Amazon and Walmart uh, <laughs> that eventually owned literally, I think, 90 plus percent of DTC, direct-to-consumer traffic. And it was to the point where Amazon had 70% of search first search page results on Google. But come along our good friends at Shopify, whose slogan mm. is Arm the Rebels, mm. gave the small guys their own technology they're actually swinging the pendulum back so fast to the point where Amazon has halted all of their warehouse development. They've pulled out of over 40 of their warehouses because their, their growth has constricted. Same with Walmart, same with Target, same with all of these guys. And the moral of the story here is that if the, if the industry bands together and agrees to take direct booking seriously and adopt these technologies and best practices, there is a chance. Mm. Mm. Fighting chip, but there is a chance. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Evan Dogel head of predictive hospitality at Jarvis ML. Jarvis ML was founded by the guys over at Google who built the machine learning platforms powering Google Ads and Google Payments. Evan and his team have a vision of democratizing the data and technology that OTAs have and making these tools and insights accessible to short-term and vacation rental hosts in order to increase direct bookings. Tune in to discover what short-term rental and vacation rental hosts can learn from the e-commerce space about building independent brands and independent moats. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Evan. All right, Evan, we are live, man. How are you doing today? Pretty good, Zach. Thanks for having me. Dude, um... Uh, we first connected, I guess, I guess we connected on LinkedIn, actually, which is funny because like I usually connect with folks on Twitter, um, but we, we connected on LinkedIn and that was only a few weeks ago. And then you, we had a call, I don't know, two weeks ago, maybe. And you were like super generous with your time and just helping like a newbie to the industry like me, like understand a little bit more about like the players in the space and a little bit more about the events in the space. And so... You're just you're just an awesome dude, man. I I really I appreciate your vibe. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate. It. I think that's one of the best things coming out of COVID is that you could just shoot someone a message. Yeah, and then in hours you're FaceTiming with them and you're just <laughs> getting to know each other and then take it from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great, man. Um, I'm pumped for today's conversation because since we connected, I followed you on social a little bit more. Um, and it seems like you're one of those people that just like knows everybody. Um, so selfishly, I am just thankful to now, to now know Evan Dolgo. Dolgo? How do you say your last name again? Dolgo, Dolgo, it all works. But uh, yeah, the vacation rental industry is like this niche, niche community Yeah, where a lot of them have known each other for like 20 plus years. Mm. And there are a lot of newcomers as well. So there's like several different layers to it, but it is so tight knit and so collaborative yeah. that one of these events and things has been has been remarkable. On, on that note, man, I thought it'd be fun to start with just any, you know, takeaways or insights that you garnered. I, I believe you were at, you go to a lot of events, but you were recently at the Book Direct Show and then also VRMA. So I'm curious, like, 
Um, what are, what are a couple things that you learned at these events that were surprising and, or just like made you like super pumped, really excited. Um, and and we'll start there. And then I want to talk about some of the things that maybe like were a little bit disappointing about the events. Absolutely. And I think that's actually a really low hanging fruit for the industry is that these events could get a lot better. Uh, that being said, there's a whole spectrum of them. So I just spoke at the book direct show, which I actually really enjoyed because that was actually the first event. That was the first event that had a specific purpose. Okay. A lot of other events, they're just broad. So it's just a mishmash of, of categories and topics and individuals, but the book direct show is very, very precise on what they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed speaking at that one. And I gave a lot of e-commerce strategies, which I know we'll dive deeper into because direct bookings equal e-commerce. Yeah, And the industry needs to acknowledge that undeniable truth. So I was really happy I got to evangelize that there. But yeah, I've been to about a dozen conferences this last year. And for the most part, it's uh, there's it's twofold. They're really good because you get to see these individuals that you meet on LinkedIn and you get to catch up with the ones that you see at every other conference. So socially excellent for the community. Yeah. Regarding the content, I would say maybe 10% of the content that is spewed at these events are good because it's really the same thing again and again. How do you increase your laundry operations 1%? How do you increase employee retention and keep them motivated? How do you do this? So it's like, you don't need to go at a dozen conferences to get those answers. One will do the job. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, I do, I do wonder like how, how you could design a better event that actually has like premium content, like where where the first thing out of people's mouths is like, dude, the, the content here is like incredible because I feel like with, and this is true outside of this industry, just like with industry, I think trade shows in general, right? Like there tends to be this, this, you know, understanding that like, it's really more about the social time and like the networking than it is the actual content. And what's funny is like, I feel like we're living in a world today where content matters more, more than ever before. And people can get really good quality content, um, in, in channels that don't require them to, you know, fly to a particular city at a particular date at a particular time. And so therefore in my mind, like the content, if you're requiring somebody to consume content in person, like that content should just be like fire, right? Like it should all be fire. So anyways, if there's anyone tuning in that like wants to like help, you know, shed some light here or or problem solve this, I think it would be a really fun, like creative exercise to be like, all right, how do you design like an epic event with just unbelievable, like five-star content all the way through? because because yeah. if you could do that successfully, then the networking's there. Like that that's pretty much you know everywhere. But if you could if you could nail the content, I feel like that's how you become like an industry leader. But that's also the problem with a lot of these uh, events is that the speakers don't put much effort into their own presentations. Mm, yeah, mm. I, I put so much effort, and I really like to storytell. But a lot of these uh, the, these events turn into pitches for their product or their company. Yeah, yeah. Mm. This is not a bad thing if it's clearly defined. Yeah. So I think conference, if they're if they're going to do an excellent job, should have those influencers that everyone can learn from, but then also have these battlegrounds where you have maybe the top five dynamic pricing people on the same stage and the yeah. top five website co- design companies on the same stage and you challenge them. You yeah. let them go at each other, sort of like a Shark Tank feel. So instead <laughs> of like hiding the, hiding the pitches, put them front and center, but allow the crowd to decide who the best was and who they want. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the, my favorite questions to ask folks who come on this podcast who are 
uh, you know, I've interviewed several folks who are uh, founders and CEOs of, uh, you know, some of the larger PMSs in the space. And talking with them, one of my favorite questions to ask is like, all right, what is something that your competitors, you could you get to pick your competitor, right? Like pick a competitor, name that competitor. And like, what's something that they do better than you? And then like, what's something that you really think like, you know, you, you really do have the edge on them here? Because I think that, um, and, and I think to your point, industry events like panels are a really good place to help those dynamics play out in like a respectful, like fun way, just so it helps, you know, uh, prospective customers get a better sense of like, look, not all these tools are created equal. And that's because not all these tools are for everybody, right? Like they're better for some people depending on where you're at in your journey than others. And so if there's a way to sort of like make that a little bit more fun, a little bit more dynamic, help people learn like what's right for me um, in just a way that's entertaining, that that would be incredible. I've yet to be at, a, at any conference that um, has, has done something like that successfully, so. One of the questions I get asked a lot from listeners is what they should look for in a PMS or a property management system. Now, we're lucky. There are a lot of great options in the market, which can't be said for software platforms in all industries. That said, I always encourage them to take a good look at Guesty for hosts. And here's why. First of all, Guesty's channel manager helps you centralize data across the major booking platforms and stay on top of all of the activity on your listings without having to hop back and forth between channels such as Airbnb, Booking.com, and Verbo. Second, Guesty's automation tools enable you to ensure you connect with guests in a meaningful, creative, and instant fashion. You can make custom messages for a variety of situations, from a response to an initial inquiry to a post-checkout follow-up encouraging your guests to leave a review. Third, Guesty for Hosts includes a website builder feature that allows you to create your own branded booking website in just minutes, allowing you to grow your listing's brand value and increase your direct bookings. And finally, Guesty has raised over $170 million, which means that they've got some serious cash to continue to seriously invest in their product. So here's the deal. If you're an STR host without a PMS system or a host looking to explore a new one, I've got a treat for you. The team at Guesty is giving Behind the Stays listeners and Sponstaneous subscribers 20% off their first year when they use the discount code Sponstaneous at checkout. That's S-P-O-N-S-T-A-Y-N-E-O-U-S, Sponstaneous at checkout. You can get started with a 14-day free trial today. No credit card, setup fee, or commitment required, and you can cancel anytime if you don't love it. Once your 14-day free trial is up, use the discount code SPONSTANEOUS for 20% off your first year. Guesty for hosts. It's the bestie of top-rated STR Superhosts. I want to talk a little bit more about you. So if we were to be having this conversation like five-ish years ago, all right, um, who 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 would I be meeting? Like wh what was Evan doing? Like where was Evan's head? about five years ago. Yeah. Five, six years ago, you would have met a very hungry, still hungry, but you would have met a very, very hungry uh, real estate guy, someone who was selling houses, but also bought the first drone that was on the market. So every time I was calling for listings or showings, I would say, hey, your photos are garbage. Give me a couple hundred bucks. I'll put my drone in the sky and I'll get beautiful photos. And again, this is when drones were not cool. Huh. Uh, but then I realized pretty quick that 
being a real estate agent wasn't all that glorious because every bartender in Florida was a real estate agent. <laughs> so, uh, about five years ago is when I leveled up and I went to get my master's at NYU okay. in sustainable real estate development and technology. So how do you show that uh, by increasing sustainability, you can also increase profitability. It's not one way or the other anymore. Hmm. And I thought that was very interesting because everyone always thinks sustainability, you're taking a hit in your pocket, which it has been for a long time. But now it's sort of this triple bottom line where you have like people, planet, profit. You can rise all three simultaneously. Yeah. So you would have been a guy doing all these things between real estate and technology, still a little confused, but trying to figure out how to make the next big company or something like that. Did you, was the program in person? Like, did you go and move to New York? Yep. So I was, uh, I was selling homes everywhere from Orlando to central Orlando to Miami. Okay. And ended up moving all the way up to New York. I had a pretty good network up here. Uh, I started working with a construction company. So started doing some renovations and things like that for commercial businesses and really got deep into the New York real estate game, which is the dirtiest and wildest of all real estate games. <laughs> Dude, I bet. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah, if any of the shows, um, are even somewhat accurate, um, I believe you. So what about who you are now? So you went, you got your master's in New York. Are you, did you move back to Florida? Did you stay in New York? So I've consistently gone back and forth the okay. last six or seven years. Uh, Florida and New York have become one big state, so it's pretty <laughs> easy to be fluid. Um, but yeah, through through the real estate development program, I met some incredible people who literally are putting up buildings in New York City, huh. $100 million, $200 million projects left and right. So fortunately, I had the opportunity to raise some capital with one of my good friends, and we went after the physical side of e-commerce, which is warehousing. So for example, actually, I'll ask you this question. Yeah. What percent of retail sales in the United States were e-commerce last year? Um, last year, I want to say it was 22%. That's a really good guess. Usually people it? guess 60%. Yeah. The answer is 15. Okay. Five. Okay. Okay. I knew, I knew it was less than like I thought it would be. And so I was like yeah. trying to lowball you. Okay, cool. 22. Yeah, okay. So 15, 15%. So, Jeez. Yeah, right now, warehousing is the highest conviction asset in the United States and even in most developed countries. And that's because e-commerce is only going up. 15%, it's just starting. Yeah. So so e-commerce is the infrastructure. I mean, uh, warehousing is the infrastructure because when that product arrives at the port, it needs to go to a warehouse before it goes to your front door. So my buddy and I raised capital. We ended up uh, we ended up locking up under contract about 1,300 acres of land in New Jersey. Okay. Um, in theory, if we could develop it all, it'd be several million square feet. Uh, I don't want to put a number on it, but that's bad luck. But uh, in the last year or so, we were fortunate to partner up with a major developer who's now taking our projects. Nice. Uh, and trying to bring it past the the end zone. Um, so yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride from real estate agent to drone photography to a few failed startups to having a successful or on the way to being successful venture to now being at Jarvis ML. So from the physical side, not to the digital not side. To the digital side. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I, I am not going to give this away because you shared this with me in confidence, but you also did something fun in like the content realm for a bit, right? Are you, are you can you share anything about that? The broad strokes. Sure. So why not? So um, over COVID, SPACs, special purpose acquisition companies, were very, very popular. Yeah. And uh, back in 2019, when there were only about 35 SPACs, um, I, started to, I started a blog. So for those who don't know, a SPAC is pretty much, let's say, Zach, you and I start an LLC. Yep. And we each put $50 million into this LLC. Now we have this shell company LLC with $100 million. Yep. 
If we IPO it, we bring it onto the stock market, it becomes what they call a SPAC. So the shell company that's publicly traded. And the goal of a SPAC is to buy a private company and bring them onto the stock market through a reverse merger. Okay. So if now we have our shell company and let's say we decide to invest $100 million into Spontaneous. Yeah. Now Spontaneous is a publicly traded company because that shell company bought it and they become one. So this is a way for young people, for, for people who don't have a ton of money to sort of get involved with venture capital. Yeah. Because if you see a SPAC that's run by really cool business leaders and titans, it's like, hey, take my money. I trust you. So in a way, I, I made it a way, I made it, uh, I, I created the story that a SPAC was a way to invest with your venture capital peers. Yeah. Yeah. And my blog was called SPACDaddy.com. And being in New York, being in the finance space and and uh, just having a lot of good connections, <laughs> I, I managed to get a lot of good information, good intel that I was just giving away for free. Yeah. And, um, the blog had over 120,000 readers at one point, which was very exciting. And SPACs caught a wave. So I yeah. started when there were 35 SPACs. At one point there, I think were 1,500 to 2,000 SPACs. And, then, and haven't they, have, hasn't it like kind of crashed now? Or crashed I, I feel like it- it's, okay, it has crashed and burned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crashed and burned. Because I feel like they were um, all the rage, and now it's like, oh god, like, yeah. Mm, let's not let's not use the spack word again. <laughs> it, it's like any financial product that is really exciting and then gets used and abused. Yeah. So yeah. it ended up being there were too many spacks, so that you had the saturation of spacks that didn't really matter uh, versus spacks that were run by titans. Yeah. And all these companies were getting overvalued because there was just so much money that was sitting over COVID waiting to be deployed yeah. that just got put into SPACs. So basically uh, everyone, all these private companies, all these all these startups were getting way overvalued <laughs> and they got excellent deals from the SPACs. And fast forward a year or two, now they're all like 90% down in valuation because they're overvalued at the time they got invested in. And uh, fortunately I got rid of the blog when there were about 300 SPACs and nice. SPACs were still cool. Nice. Uh, there was also a Twitter, which is not me anymore. So. Uh, it's someone else now, but uh, yeah, bottom line, SPACs were fun for a period of time, but then- And you caught that wave right at the right time, right as it was cresting. Caught the wave, met a ton of cool people, met a ton of cool SPAC owners and learned a ton about startups and venture capital and specifically advanced technology, yeah. which allowed me to get into where I am now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk to us about Jarvis ML. So um, I know that folks who were I don't know if they were early on in Google, but relatively early on in Google, right? Like they helped um, write the underlying infrastructure for what would essentially become like Google Ads, I believe. Um, so exactly. talk to us about the folks at um, who, who founded Jarvis ML a little bit, and then yeah, give us give us I don't know like the the Shark Tank pitch for for what it is and what you guys are trying to do. Sure. So long story short, Jarvis turns direct booking websites into their own OTA. Uh, our founder Rakesh. He did 15 years at Google AI where he founded Google Ads Machine Learning Platform mm. as well as Google Payments Platform. And the biggest takeaway is that that's the largest personalization engine at scale. When all of us go on Google, we all have unique experiences, similar to when we go on Amazon. Yep. And uh, let's say we go on Amazon and we're looking for something, but we don't know exactly what we want. So we'll click a product, even though we don't want that product, but we know it'll take us to other products that we do want. Yeah, yeah. That's because Amazon has machine learning engines that understand our preferences, affinities, and purchasing power. So it can basically it basically understands us better than we know ourselves, shows us things that we may want or may bring us the things we want. And next thing you know, you have 10 things in your cart. So that's what Jarvis does for direct booking websites. 
And let's say you go on a website, you have the featured properties, you have all the search properties. What Jarvis does is it spoon feeds the guests landing on your website, what they want to see. And every time they click, every time they engage, Jarvis will learn what they want and improve the next set of recommendations. And the goal is to reduce the friction and get them to convert by spoon feeding them exactly what they want. Yeah. Yeah. On that, on that note, that's awesome. Um, like I'm trying to think of, um, talk, talk to like who, who is this a good fit for, right? Like you, you obviously have to have, you know, I don't know, hundreds, maybe not hundreds, but like at least like dozens, right. Of properties to be able to benefit for something from something like this, because, you know, if, if I'm, you know, uh, uh, short-term rental host, vacation rental uh, host, and I have got like, I don't know, 10 properties, there's probably only so many data points, right, that could be leveraged, right? And maybe the, the maybe the properties aren't like wildly different from each other, right? Um, who Who's sort of like the best fit customer for, for Jarvis? Yeah, and that actually comes back to why Jarvis was founded. So the team, Rakesh, and along with a lot of his team at Google AI left because they were like, this is not fair that just Google and big tech get to have this machine this learning data. technology. Yeah. How do we democratize this technology for the little guys? So um, they left with the intention of giving democratizing machine learning. Hmm. But the only problem is, is machine learning needs enough data to make sense. Yeah. So uh, for Jarvis, it's really companies that have 100 plus properties. Okay. Yep. And the reason is, is because if you go on a direct booking website with 20 properties, a human brain can go through all 20 properties pretty easy. Yep, yep. But the second you start to have 100 properties and different amenities, different attributes, different this and that, then it's a lot for a human brain to go through. So by spoon feeding the customer what they want to see, you're essentially increasing that buyer enthusiasm and reducing that friction so they'll convert much faster. That way you get the data, you learn what they click, you get to remarket to them, and you get to keep them coming back again and again. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I think uh, I don't know if you have insight into this, but like when I when I go on like Airbnb, right, and I'm browsing Airbnb properties, if I've like viewed a, a particular uh, Airbnb in like let's say Maine, right, and I and I don't I don't uh, I don't book it, well then like the next day or whatever I get an email, right, and it's Airbnb saying like, hey, did you complete your booking, you know, of this particular property? And then it'll show me other properties, but it's only showing me like other like it, it appears it's only showing me like just other properties nearby it's just like geo base is, is what it seems like because a lot of the properties that they showcase are in entirely different price ranges than what i was looking at right they're they're not the kind of property that i like would prefer to stay in they, they don't look anything like that first property that i like you know was on i i almost booked so like does does Airbnb do this already? Like, what? Uh, how is how is Jarvis's tech is is essentially just taking their technology and and democratizing it? Um. So, so how, how do you how do you think about that? So, you have to understand too that when you use Airbnb and I use Airbnb, we look at vacation rentals all the time. Yeah. So uh, it's uh it's slightly different because we're using it for research. We're not using it to necessarily travel. So our behaviors are very different. Yeah. And when we're looking for personalization we're going to be really critical minds. Sure, sure. So let's take a, an example of a Beverly Hills family of seven with a high spending behavior looking for a beach vacation. Okay. They go on Airbnb, they type the destination. The Airbnb has a thousand cling, things to click. Yep. Everything they start to click, Airbnb will start to connect the dots saying, okay, they have a high spending behavior. It'll even start to push the bar. Will they spend more? Because if they can increase that average booking value, they will. And the idea is that every piece of engagement every click will allow Airbnb to improve. Yeah. So now it comes to the abandoned browse, abandoned, <clears throat> abandoned cart emails. Um, 
yeah, you have to engage with those emails for Airbnb to learn about you. So the more you engage with those emails, it'll learn what it did right. If you didn't engage, it won't do it again. Uh, Airbnb does this for so many people at scale. And it's the smallest amount of personalization goes such a long way. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, people know Airbnb is still a big tech company. Yep. So when a customer goes direct, uh, at least last year, Airbnb bookings were 53% lower in average booking value than direct bookings. Yeah, geez, dude, yeah. Shocking. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, the, the fees on both ends have, I just feel like have gone crazy. Um, so on that note, um, how, because because the be a benefit here beyond just personalizing it to deliver a better uh, prospective guest experience, it's also to be able to like leverage right as the property owner the insights garnered from from this data that that you all are collecting. So like when you think about like practical ways or or, or innovative ways that some of the best vacation rental owners, uh, short term rental hosts are are taking this data and leveraging it in 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 meaningful ways. Like what are what are folks doing with with this data? Yeah, and that's a great point because at the end of the day, VRMs are hospitality companies. Yeah. They're not tech companies. And Steve Milo has a great point saying that when VRMs focus too much on technology, they lose the they lose what they have in the hospitality and then you don't have any customers. Mm. So really it comes down to uh, VRMs not having a robust, I guess, e-commerce slash marketing department. So that's where Jarvis comes in because we can essentially empower a team of two or a team of 20. And the idea of giving a team of two these advanced capabilities is that they can focus on deploying rather than putting out fires. Hmm. So for, let's just say it's a, let's, let's give an example of a 150 property VRM that has a team of two handling their marketing and website and all their digital initiatives. What Jarvis would do is essentially be their machine, it would be their data scientist, machine learning engineer, and deployment platform all in one. So on the website, every website journey would be personalized to the guest. And that becomes a passive way to start cultivating guest data and converting them, but also in the marketing. So we match all the existing design and templates and we power personalized property recommendations in those emails. Huh. So basically all the designs they've already done, we'll just power existing recommendations to each guest. And what that does is it increases the open rate, but also increases the guest retention because you're not, you're not sending them noise. You're yeah. cutting through that emails tailored to them. So then you increase the guest retention and you increase, then you bring them back to the website and then they have the personalized journey on the website. So the idea is to create this personalized communication ecosystem, just like the OTAs have, but again, not burdensome on the team. Yeah. Let them deploy rather than wrangle with all this data. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. 
All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. How how new are you guys? Like when when were you guys founded? So Rakesh and his team left a little over a year ago. Okay, to so this is brand new. Left Google, yeah, and they immediately started building a machine learning engine, which yeah. is really complex. And the machine learning engine, what it does, it takes data, learns from it, and then has to improve the output. Yeah. So we started going to market. They left about a year and a half ago. We started going to market about a year ago. And it was very exciting learning about the VRM's pain points and where the shortcomings are because Jarvis realized real quick that direct bookings are a form of e-commerce. Yeah. And we uh, Jarvis's main vertical is e-commerce, but now our other main vertical is vacation rentals and hospitality. Because again, instead of the guest arriving at your front door, sorry, instead of the package arriving at your front door, the guest arrives at your front door, but the process to purchasing is identical. You go on the website, you click some pretty photos, you find what you like and you press buy. Yeah. And if you're able to predict what they like, just like Amazon does to us, then you increase conversion and you get them as your customer, not the OTA's customer. Yeah. And that's the Yeah, yeah. And right, yeah, having having the ability to then obviously like remarket to them later, uh, having the ability to ability for uh these these hosts and and owners to kind of like build up their own like list of individuals. Like the number of folks I talk to who are who've been in the game for a while who are doing who have built like really cool brands and they you know their email list is like still like 300 people or something like that it's like dude guys like what's going on like you've you've done the hard work which is to build the brand you've done the hard work which is to del- deliver an exceptional experience the easy work should be to capture you know data of the people that are staying at your properties and having great experiences so that you can remarket to them upsell them etc um and and yet that still seems to be this like point of friction or this like dark cloud uh that like most people just don't have reliable access to to guest data in in meaningful ways and again obviously it's not a solution for everybody but like i do feel like more and more and more the smartest folks in this space are trying to find ways to build their own you know direct booking engines build their own or not necessarily build their own direct booking engine but build their own direct booking offerings um and and you know empower it with the the right technology to to do so and it sounds like this is this could be an additional component to that tech stack which makes all of this possible look at jarvis as the brain that interconnects all the vrm's data Hmm. so ems the crm the marketing cloud the website whatever it is. And Jarvis ingests all of that data and then connects the dots and then deploys it for you. So data to the human brain, it means nothing. It's a bunch of one zeros, this, that, and you <laughs> can't do much with it or that fast. And then you have to hire a data scientist and it's a whole mess. Yeah. So, so data is work for machines and that's something we have to accept. We also learn how we have to learn how to trust these machines. Yeah. Um, so that's also been a really interesting journey as well. And if uh, I think uh, I think it might be useful for some of your listeners to understand why they should start driving direct bookings today. Yeah, please enlighten us. Uh, there are there are some things happening in in the overall le- tech landscape that is going to make data significantly more scarce. Um, so two quick stories. The first one starts with Apple. Uh, for for decades, Apple has been essentially learning keeping track of how you use your phone, how you use the computer, how you surf the web. And then they would share that data with all of these big technology companies. And then these tech companies would learn all about you and then personalize your journeys, uh, precisely target exactly what you want. We've known this is happening for years. But about a year ago, Apple turned off the switch. They will no longer be sharing data with yeah. big tech companies. Yeah. So now big tech companies are like, 
okay, we got to cultivate data now and fast. The second one, the second story starts with a cookie, but not the edible type, the cookie that gets stored on your computer and stalks you and pretty much feeds information to whoever put the cookie on your computer. Cookies will be obsolete by 2024. Yeah. So I know we, and whenever you go on the website, you say, do you accept or deny? Essentially, that's what a cookie is. And those will no longer exist within a year or so. Yeah. So for yeah. those two reasons, data is becoming significantly more scarce and OTAs are becoming significantly more aggressive in trying to get you to book direct to the point where Simon Lehman predicts that 90% of direct bookings will be driven by OTAs by 2025. Jeez. And I'll tell you, after meeting 100 VRMs this last year, like I believe it, no one sees this sense of urgency. Yeah, There's literally one to two year gap that we have now to start driving direct bookings and cultivating guest data so you can have that like repeat direct booking system before it gets significantly harder. So yeah. I'm out here trying to evangelize that message. No, I, I I love that, Evan. And I'm so glad you you took time to talk about that because I, I do think it's something that folks don't understand just how how significant and how severe this is going to be. You know, it, it already is. Like I do a bunch of, you know, marketing for for like my day job and even just even just kind of the profile selects on things like in running Instagram ad campaigns, Facebook ad campaigns, even YouTube, the, the the selects that you can use to get in front of people have just dramatically shrunk in the last six months, even yes, in the last year, but like in the last in the last six months in particular is where I've noticed it the most where you, you used to be in, be able to get incredibly specific with your targeting. And now it's like not just like a step back or like two steps back. It's like five steps back in terms of the granularity at which you can target people. Um, so yeah, this is this is going to be. It, it is it is sort of like a now or never moment, which is actually why like I get really excited because I think that there's an awesome opportunity for folks in the space to to start seriously thinking about and building their brands, right? Like, what does it look like? You, you know, if you're even if you've got a portfolio of 20, 30, 40 homes, you don't necessarily have to be in the hundreds. But like, what does it look like to start thinking very critically about brand differentiation, who you are, what you want to be, what you want to be, you know, known for, and then essentially figuring out what are the tools that I need in my tool chest to be able to effectively do this at scale. And I think that like, if you start, if you haven't been thinking about that yet, you absolutely need to be thinking about that. I think most folks have been thinking about it, but I, but I do think that there's, there's this uh, level of severity now, as you've just uh, outlined, Evan, where it's like it, it, it's totally worth the time it takes to invest in thinking critically about your brand. Maybe you thought like branding was like a luxury. Maybe you thought like direct bookings were like a nice to have, not need to have. Now I think like the tables have turned, right? And branding's not a not a luxury; it's a necessity, right? And direct bookings aren't a nice to have; they are a need to have. You nailed it. You nailed it. And it's uh, it's it's something that's an added expense to these VRMs because again, their margins are not that great to begin with and they're focused on the hospitality side of things. So to give them this burden of just focusing on e-commerce and direct bookings is a whole new educational experience they need to just dive deep into, which yeah. they don't have the bandwidth to. So um, that's partially what I'm trying to do out here is really just show that a lot of don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah, The, the OTAs and big tech have spent billions of dollars inventing the wheel. Let's just copy and paste. <laughs> An example is like reviews. Get the reviews on your website. Go source them from all the OTAs and put them on your website. 50% of guests will not book around without a review and 95% of guests use reviews to book. Yep. No brainer. Also, stop having these chunky word blocks all over your website. Go look at what the OTAs are doing. It's just click, click, click. Yeah. Put so many things to click. It's the idea is so at the top of your direct booking page, you have your search bar. Yeah. And that's for a high intent guest who's ready to search. 
that's very few. Most people just want to go and click around. Yeah. Under that, put a set of featured properties. And under that, put a set of more properties. And under that, put a list of amenities. The idea is if they're not high intent, maybe they're this intent, maybe they're that, and you just get them to engage and learn about you and get deeper with you. Yeah. That's yeah. The, that's the psychology behind a direct booking site. Also, what's what's really funny about direct booking sites is like a lot of them do a really like shitty job at at just like lead acquisition. Like even if you're not ready to book, right? Like even if I if I come to your website, right, and I'm I'm not ready to pull the trigger on a on a uh, a booking. I might, I might actually be willing to like give you like my email in case maybe I'll get like a 10% discount code or like maybe for, even if it's not a discount code, like maybe I'll be able to like become, you know, I'll stay up to date when like you release a new property or when all of a sudden there's like last minute availability or there's a cancellation or what have you. Like a lot of these websites like don't have like what I would call like awareness or even like consideration stage offers. They all just have like decision stage offers, which is like book now, book now, book now. And so I, I do feel like in the spirit of collecting your own data, uh, understanding um, that in, in essence, you've got to, you've got to build your own empire here. Like you've got to build your own collection of, of prospective yeah, guests. Right. And, and a way to do that, a very simple, easy way to do that is to think about, all right, what kind of, what could we offer at that awareness stage for the, for the folks that are browsing the website, they're looking at photos, but they're, they're not going to book yet. Um, what's that, what's that one offer or those two offers that we could, that we could present to them? Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, I think really the key is around four to six minutes of browse time have that time pop up that says, hey, if you give us your email, we'll save this 15% off for you later. Mm, brilliant. What that does is like get them to opt in. So that way you can you can, you can can cultivate, you can learn about them. You have an opportunity to reach out to them. And there's so many ways that you can end up converting them. But you're right. These, these super low-hanging fruit is like no-brainer in e-commerce. And at the very least, the VRI ministry needs to start adopting those practices. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. Like one of the things that a lot of other industries struggle with is like just incredibly high bounce rates, right? Or incredibly low time spent on page. But a lot of a lot of folks in in this particular space and in, in industry, like they actually get the benefit of time spent on page, right? Because people like people like looking at photos. People like the idea of travel. They like the idea of vacation. So oftentimes, like I, I just read some stat from that somebody posted on Twitter the other day. I can't remember who it was. But basically, you know, you're seeing an average time spent on page or an average website session that's like three to four times that of other industries. And so I think even more so it's like, how do you, how do you capitalize on that? Right? Like you've got the attention, you've got people that are there again, they might not be ready to book, but you know, what, what can you offer them? What are they ready for that you could, that you could make available to them? That's exactly it. And, uh, the conversion rate on VRM websites is atrocious. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's, just uh, it's, it's rough. Yeah. Um, and it's so crazy that just by making some key changes, like for example, the checkout process, put the logos that say, we will refund you if something goes wrong. 95% of guests use OTAs for ease of payment security. Yep. So the fact that we still have these fill-in forms that are clunky and not trustable, yeah. not trustworthy, like, come on. So that's another one. And it's just, there's, there's so many things that we could do. Yeah. Uh, I think a big problem too, is that a lot of them focus on SEO mm. and SEO ends up adding a lot of words and, and just disruptions to the website. Yeah. Focus on making your website actually usable. Yeah. So at least, like, what's the point of driving customers to your website if your website's not ready to convert them yet? Yeah. yeah. And once you have a website that converts well, you could spend money on ads comfortably knowing that you're going to convert them at 0.3%, 0.4%. But until you get to that point, and, it, and like, I think I even step back, 
connect your Google analytics and pay attention. The amount of people in this industry that don't even realize they have Google analytics is shocking. Yeah. And Google analytics is the answer. What's working, what's not. Yeah. Shows you what you should double down on and what you should never do again. Yeah. But uh, again, I, I really am I'm concerned about this industry because it's a lot of these players have been around for 50 years. And when I tell them these things, they said, I've been doing this for 50 years. Like, I don't need to hear this. And I say, yeah, but the next five are going to be drastically different. And then they say, tell me that in five years. And I don't blame them. They've heard this story again and again and again. But the truth is, is that machine learning and artificial intelligence is here. And it's cheap coming from my mouth. But look at Booking, for example. When Booking fired 3,000, 20% of their employees in February, their stock proceeded to go up to an all-time high. Why? Well, a, a good way to look at it is go Google Expedia Group. Yeah. If you Google Expedia Group, the answer is, uh, it says Expedia Group is a, a technology company that has 600 billion AI predictions and 200 websites. Does that sound like a hospitality company? <laughs> so, like, let, let's be real. Like we have, to, we have to acknowledge that technology is here, that OTAs are a hybrid between travel agency and e-commerce company. And if we don't start copy and pasting and playing the same games that they are, then we're going to lose the game. You're a kick-ass Airbnb host. In fact, you've done such a great job at marketing your short-term rental on Instagram that you're pretty much entirely booked for the next six to 12 months. And while it doesn't happen regularly, every so often there's a cancellation or just one random three-night window of availability in the middle of the week. Now, posting about the fact that you've had a cancellation or that you've got just three nights left in February on your Instagram story is a great start, but what if you could automatically notify interested guests the second a cancellation comes through? And that's where Ping comes in. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and integrates with your Airbnb listing and allows your fans and followers to sign up to be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked for the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and will be pinged if their requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which allows you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping, it's what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. Sign up for free at www.bnbping.com. Ping. Brought to you by Spontaneous. Couple final questions for you. One is just around like, um, what 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 did it, you clearly have hot takes right on on where folks should be spending their time and their energy and and whatnot. But like when you think about where we're at in the story of what what I'll just call like, um, you know, uh, uh, vacation rentals or or short term rental like 3.0, right? Like if we're if, if, if just a, a quick nod to like Web three, right? Um, if if we're if we're in if we're living through a moment right now where technology is coming to this space and like tr dramatically changing how it works, if we can agree to that, um, wh wh where do you think that we are in the game? Like, are is this is this like the the last hurrah? 
um, for for vacation rentals and short-term rentals? Are we like just getting started? Are we in the middle? Like, how how do you think about sort of like the state of the industry? Yeah. So the way I learned about this was actually by asking our European friends what went on there, because the European industry is much more developed than the United States industry, which is more of a wild west. And like any business cycle, so you have the startups, and then the startups turn to businesses, then you have consolidation of those businesses, and then you have the conglomerates doing mergers and acquisitions. Those are the four phases. Yep. Europe has actually already gone through all four stages to the point where all the small companies got gobbled up, and then the remaining small companies got bullied by the OTAs and private equity companies. And now they've actually come back to phase one again. All these startups are emerging in Europe, and they're not playing the same game they were before. Huh. So. Americans have so much to learn from that story. And that's part of what I'm trying to evangelize too. In America, we got two different parties here. We got the Wild West Cowboys on Airbnb that don't understand what direct bookings are and just happy to have a vacation rental making that cash flow. Yep. And then we got the VRMs, the actual businesses that understand that they need customers, that they have to, they essentially need to drive their own business in the long run. Um, and then within those, you have a lot that are just don't have the bandwidth, which I think is a major problem to even focus on any other initiative besides putting out their hospitality fires. So right now, I think we're in that phase two going to three, no longer startups, really. Really, we have these businesses that are being consolidated by VRM rollups. Yeah. The rollups, watch, there's this next year, there's several storms about to hit. There's going to be blood in the water. And these rollups are private equity backed, and they're going to be gobbling up a lot of vacation rentals. Now, those roll-ups are educated. They are private equity backed, a lot of them who back technology companies. So they are informed and they are investing with companies like Jarvis, which is great. But at the same time, Jarvis wants to help the little guys. <laughs> we cannot help the little guys. I mean, 100 plus, call it 100 plus properties. Yeah. We can't help those businesses remain autonomous unless they understand the importance of direct bookings and agree to make this a priority. So- yeah, I think this is a uh, the next year or two is really a last hurrah for businesses that want to start cultivating direct businesses. Um, and I know I've been talking for a second, but there's actually a really good case study yeah. in the sister world of e-commerce. Tell us. Where once were these two small companies called Amazon and Walmart uh, <laughs> that eventually owned literally, I think, 90 plus percent of DTC, direct to consumer traffic. And it was to the point where Amazon had 70 percent of search first search page results on Google. But come along our good friends at Shopify, whose slogan mm. is arm the rebels, mm. gave the small guys their own technology. They're actually swinging the pendulum back so fast to the point where Amazon has halted all of their warehouse development. They've pulled out of over 40 of their warehouses because their, their growth has constricted. Same with Walmart, same with Target, same with all of these guys. And the moral of the story here is that if the, if the industry bands together and agrees to take direct booking seriously and adopt these technologies and best practices, there is a chance. Mm. Mm. Fighting chance, but there is a chance. Ah, so well said, Evan. Ah, that was beautiful. <laughs> I'm like tearing up here. Um, no, but 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 yeah, I I think Shopify is actually a a wonderful example here of like, hey, like that is what happens when technology that's built for you know the little guy comes into the game. And who 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 to thunk right? Like that this little startup out in they're from like Toronto or somewhere in Canada, um, and that that they would have been able to like take on in in a meaningful way like the two biggest retailers in the world. Um, so yeah, there there is there's certainly hope. Um, last last question for you, Evan. When when you think about 
um, when you think about like the technology stack, right, that these folks are going to need, right? So you, you kind of raffled off a, a second ago, you talked about PMS, CRM, you know, marketing, uh, marketing tools, etc. Uh, what, what do you think is sort of like the like the absolute like necessity? Like if you if you want to do this well, and you don't want to crash and burn, and you don't want guests to not book with you because you're stuff looks sketchy right like what is what is like the mvp the like or you know the, the just getting by technology stack that folks need if they're going to take their direct booking strategy seriously yeah uh the key is to cultivate data passively which is uh just have these technologies keeping track of your operation so number one is the pms that has the richest data of them all it shows all the attributes of each property each property has hundreds of attributes from pools to dens to movie theaters. So it has all the property attributes, has the seasonality, but it also has the guest booking behavior. Mm. It shows how much they spend, shows what attributes connected the dots. So the PMS is by far the richest guest data. Following that, you're going to want a CRM because that's the way you're going to keep track of who stayed by you. And it's another database that is uh, helps you be organized. To feed that CRM, you're going to want a company like StayFi, a Wi-Fi cultivation tool. That way, if they did come from the OTA, but they used your Wi-Fi, you still get their email and you get their information. You get some other data with that too. So with those three tools, you already have the bulk of what you need. Now you can start to get a little fancy with add the Jarvis to the mix, add yeah. the marketing cloud. But really, if you have those three tools... Um, and then you can start... like From the hospitality side, there's a whole array of things. And I don't want to speak to that because I'm not... I'm not a VRM, but I heard Breezeway is great. I heard some of these other tools are great. But really from a digital perspective, the PMS, the CRM, Google Analytics, and a Wi-Fi cultivation tool, you will be you will become a powerhouse very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Love it, dude. That is that is super helpful. Um well man, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, and I again thank you for for the connection. Uh, I think what you shared is super, super valuable. is It's incredibly important. I'm glad we got a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, Evan uh, Dol Dolgo. God, why the hell can I say your name? Dolgal. I want to say I want to say Dolgal. Um, That's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> the Evan Dolgal gospel here, um, which is which is wonderful, dude. If folks do want to learn more about Jarvis and um, they're they're kind of at that that hundred plus property. Um, uh, uh, standpoint, what is, what's the best way for them to reach out? Uh, we, we can drop a bunch of stuff in the show notes, but, uh, is there, is there a better way for, or what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, I am the only Evan Dalgo in the world. So Google me, find me on LinkedIn, <laughs> give me a message, send me an email, Evan at JarvisML.com. Cool. Uh, but let's just talk because at the end of the day, Jarvis is not for everyone. Yep. At the same time, I want to give these VRMs, what it feels like to have a director of e-commerce by, by pointing them in the right direction, giving them that 360 view of what they need and helping them develop that roadmap. So I care about this industry. I will talk to you for free. Uh, just come and find me. Wonderful. All right, folks. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Evan, thank you so much for your time, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Zach. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. 
It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last, but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're gonna roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.